Well, hello and welcome to Victory Briefings. I'm Dwight Hammond, and today we are in part five of the Bible teaching series entitled Conquering the Thought Life. Part five is called Gird Up the Loins of Your Mind. First Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, we know the world is in turmoil, and there's uh, some crazy things going on in the world, and we have to keep our minds on our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Situations around us become more stressful every day. Lawlessness abounds, and many people do not know which way to turn as the day of our Lord approaches. But praise God, so far, we have it pretty easy compared to the saints in this in the first century. We call it Bible times, but I say we are living in Bible times. Amen. Anyway, uh, even though we have some similarities in the first century church, like um, we have uh, paid protesters and uh, people going and setting fires and rioting and burning businesses and then blaming innocent people, Peter was writing this letter to the Christians who were under pressure in and around Rome um, just shortly before a crazy emperor named Nero set the city on fire and blamed the Christians for the arson. The reason I believe Peter was writing this letter shortly before the emperor burned the city is because over in the second chapter, verse 17, he says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. He could still say in this book to honor the king. Peter knew how to comfort and encourage the saints during those horrible years of persecution, and Peter's epistles are still good reading for those who are going through hard times. First Peter one thirteen in the King James again says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now the word wherefore in verse 13 connects this verse with verses before it. And when it comes to Bible study, my number one rule is to keep things into context. One cool way to do this is when you see the verse that begins with wherefore or therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. So let's back up a few verses and find out what wherefore is there for. Let's go back to verse 1 and we'll go down through until we get back to verse 13 here. In verse 1, Peter says he's writing to people who have suffered for their faith, and these were people scattered throughout five Roman provinces because of persecution. In verse 2, we have the Trinity. It says God the Father had chosen them. God the Spirit had sanctified them through the atoning blood of God the Son, Jesus Christ. In verses 3 and 4, Peter reminds the Christians of their living hope because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. It provides a new birth in our spirit man and gives us hope in the future resurrection of our bodies. Regardless of how bleak things are here on earth, we have a better world coming. And our inheritance is incorruptible and reserved for us in heaven. This word inheritance is the same word that these Jewish people's ancestors used to describe the promised land. You can see that in Numbers 34, 2 and Joshua eleven twenty three. 
Verse 5 and 6 basically say that not only the inheritance is guarded, but heirs who have been born into that inheritance are shielded by God's power. And to guard is a military term that refers to a garrison within a city. That same word is translated keep in Philippians 4, 7, where Paul told us that the peace of God which passes understanding shall keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It gives us great hope while undergoing persecution to know that the power of God guards us from within to preserve and save us until the last time. Peter basically calls this time here on earth as a season of temporary harassment compared to the eternity of all the benefits that will be ours in heaven. Verse 7, like gold is refined by fire, our faith is purified. Tell them that you're going to be purified by this persecution. Our faith, which is eternally precious, will outlast the value of gold. Where our faith takes us, gold will be used for pavement. In verse 8, although we don't see Jesus with our physical eyes, we can see and know him by faith, and that's better than knowing him by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. Hallelujah. If we are truly in faith, we will be rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Our joy is related to what we believe, not our experiences. A lack of rejoicing and joy is evidence of a lack of believing. Verse 9, the Spirit is the part of us that was instantly born again. Verse 3 tells us that according to God's abundant mercy, he has begotten us again, but salvation of the soul is a process. This takes place when the renewing of our minds by God's word, conquering the thought life, is a product of faith in his promises, and is the mind, will, and emotions receiving the benefits that are already completed in our spirits. Verse 10 through 12, the prophets didn't fully understand all that the Holy Spirit had spoken through them. Isaiah didn't understand all the timing and the place when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. In Isaiah 53, the prophets did understand that they were not writing for themselves, but for those who would live later, those who would hear the gospel proclaimed by the Holy Spirit and follow Christ, even the angels long to see these things. It's awesome. The Old Testament prophets and angels ought to be jealous of what New Testament believers have. Patriarchs in heaven must wish that we would enjoy and proclaim more fully what God has done for us, because Old Testament prophets and even angels don't have the wonderful salvation that we have received. We need to think on what the Lord has done for us and get the full understanding of what we have. Praise the name of Jesus. Now we finally make it to verse 13. First Peter 1.13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to share with you now some of my word studies in this verse. To gird up the loins, a man may bend his knees a bit and reach down between his legs and grab the back part of his robe at the ground. Then he would pull that up between his legs and tuck it into his girdle or his belt. This allowed him to run or work without getting tangled up in his robe. Peter is saying here that you need to prepare your mind for action, to gird up the loins of your mind. Get ready for action. This is talking about getting ready, being ready with your mind and affections. Gird up. 
Today we might say, you need to use your head. Think. Get your head out of the sand and take action. The, the Greek verb, be, calls for a definite decision. To begin to do this now, not just try. And the word sober is the Greek word nepho. Nepho is to abstain from wine. Keep sober in spirit. Keep sober in spirit also means to be self-controlled and watchful. Don't ever surrender your hope in the promised salvation. Now this uh, revelation of Jesus Christ in this verse is talking about his second coming, what we call the rapture. Peter reminded the saints in their persecution that prophets and angels did not have or understand the hope of the salvation that we have. We also need to keep our heads on straight and think on what the Lord has done for us and hold on to our hope until the return of Jesus. We can't afford to let our thoughts become loose like a comfortable garment of leisure while we're running a race. Our minds must continually be ready and not allow circumstances or distractions to cause us to slow down, stumble, or wander off track. In these last days, many people will need help getting back on track, and it's our job to be ready with the Word of God to encourage and strengthen the faith and hope of others. Colossians 3.2 says to set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. Set is a Greek verb that indicates this is a commitment to a long-term way of doing something. This is a command to keep on setting your affection. Make it a habit to set your affection. Make it a part of your lifestyle to set your affection on things above and not on earth. The word affection is from the Greek word phroneo. It means to exercise the mind, entertain, or have have a sentiment or an opinion. This word is translated mind in Philippians 3.19, where Paul is speaking of the lost. He says, who mind earthly things. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. You cannot think two different thoughts at the same time. One way of thinking will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, and the other way of thinking will allow the enemy access. Here's the takeaway, the proclamation of this victory briefing. I choose to control my thoughts so that when things go bad or look hopeless, I'm not distracted. I don't lose hope. I gird up the loins of my mind by actively thinking on, anticipating, and being ready for the return of Jesus. I set my mind on a living hope and a sure salvation, and there is no room for the devil. I constantly set my mind on things above. I don't entertain thoughts about earthly things. Praise God. Thanks for being a part of today's Victory Briefing. Learning that we can gird up the loins of our mind is a big part of conquering the thought life. Replay this message to build your faith and let it be part of your ministry to share this podcast with someone else. You will be blessed by spreading the Word of God. Amen. God bless you, my friend. This program and other materials are available at victorybriefings.net.